0: are kids really thinking and feeling? Sometimes it's hard to know. The thousands of letters and emails kids send to Highlights Magazine every year help us keep our finger on the pulse of kids. We think they can also help you. So each week on this podcast, we share a few of the messages we've received from kids and we discuss them with an expert. Lean in and listen to learn what kids want their grown-ups to know about being a kid today. I'm Christine French cully and you're listening to Dear Highlights.
1: Dear Highlights. I have a problem with my at highlights. night, And I miss a lot I get keys. I dear dear highlights. highlights. Dear Highlights. Dear Highlights.
0: Few things push parental buttons faster than backtalk from kids. Sometimes what kids say to their grown-ups can seem so mean and hurtful, and comes seemingly out of the blue. Most of us try to shut it down immediately, making sure kids know that backtalk won't be tolerated, that they must learn how to express their wishes and opinions respectfully. In the moment, the scales often tip towards stopping the bad behavior, which is make no mistake important. But what if we were able to balance the discipline with a little listening? What if we were able to pause in the moment and seek to understand what's behind the disrespectful talk? My guest today is a mother who did just that recently, surprising her young daughter and modeling some positive parenting. When she shared on social media her story of a recent conversation with her child, it went viral, clearly striking a chord with grown-ups who care about kids and inspiring many of them to consider a different way of looking at backtalk. Please meet Dr. Shawana B. Chambers, a career educator in Texas with teaching experience that spans primary, secondary, and higher education. In addition to being named New Teacher of the Year in 2009 and receiving the Principal's Award on her campus in 2010, the National Council for Teachers of English recognized Shawana as one of its 2010 early career educators. She's not only a dedicated educator, but she's also a devoted, thoughtful mother of two. Dr. Shea, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. When I read your story on Upworthy.com, I immediately thought about some of the letters and emails Highlights has received from kids sharing some of their personal frustrations with conversations with their parents, you know, created in the heat of a moment, conversations that didn't really have satisfactory outcomes. So here's one that we read, and it reads Dear Highlights. I'm 11 years old and I have a very big problem. Every time I say something or do something, I either get yelled at or get interrupted. My mother always tells me to let my feelings out, but when I do, I get yelled at. I try talking to them about it, but I get yelled at. What should I do? And we have another one. Dear Highlights, my mom and I disagree on things. Then when I try to ask her a question, she won't let me say what I want to say. She's the only one who gets to talk. So, okay, if we're being honest, (laughs) most of us have been that parent at one time or another. The parent who exerts her power and won't let their child talk in a disagreement. After all, we often parent the way we were parented. And that's how it worked in many families when parents were young and how it still works today in some households. But you tried something different. Can you tell us what happened? Can you tell us your story?
1: Sure. Um, so my daughter and I were, we had just left UPS. We were sitting in the parking lot. I was putting her, putting her in her seatbelt. And I can't even remember what she said. I just know that it was kind of rude. And, you know, and I asked her, she'd been a little bit rude um, a couple of times before and i disregarded it, Um But then I just, you know, I asked her like, why are you being mean? Like, why are you being unkind? What happened, right? Um, Because my initial reaction was gonna be like, listen, you don't get to talk to me that way, right? And like, just set the ground rules. That's not Mm -hmm. how we do this. But um, I just asked like, why are you being unkind? What's going on? And it took a moment and she, she looked me in the eye and she just said, I don't know. And then she just started crying. And so we hugged for a little bit because I needed her to get that out, right? Like um, I needed her to know that it was okay to to not know why you you feel the way you feel right now. Um, And I also thought it was really important for her to know that she wasn't in trouble, right? Um, Because sometimes um, when your parent asks you something like that, you know that you're going to be in trouble, right? Like, oh my goodness, oh, that's right. I'm going to be punished. This is not okay, right? And I, I didn't want to shut it down because I needed to know why, right? Like that that was more important, um, also more important than my hurt feelings in that moment. Um, and I told her, like, I, I just need to know how to help you. Right? And I can't help you if I don't know what's wrong, um, or what I need to do to to make it better, um, and so then you know she was like you know my brain sometimes like tells me to um, to be mean, right, and I don't know why, um, and I told her I said you know that that's how it works sometimes right like our emotions, our bodies, our brains, something tells us hey I don't feel good, right, and I can't identify what it is. So I'm just going to treat this, I'm going to get this person out of my face because I don't have, you know, the capacity to deal with this right now. Um, and so we say things to people that we don't mean, right? And those things hurt people that we love. And then we feel bad because we said something that hurt someone we love. Um, and I told her, like, we do that. Um, adults do that too, right? And we, we sometimes say things to people and they're mean and they don't deserve those things, um, and she didn't realize that adults do that, too. She was like, what? You know, you, that happens to you? I was like, yeah, it happens to us. And um, what I want you to, you know, to remember is that you can always stop the situation and say, hey, you know, I'm not feeling. And this is what I taught her. I'm not feeling my best self. I need a minute. Right? Like stop before you say the thing that you're getting ready to say that, you know, is going to hurt someone's feelings. Separate yourself from the situation. Right? Give me a minute to to get my, my thoughts together. Give me a minute to to reflect on what's happening. Um, and we practice that. Right. So we practice. I'm, I'm not feeling my best self. I need a minute. I'm not feeling my best self. I need a minute. Um, and after that situation, like, she, we hugged each other. We went and did some retail therapy, went, you know, shopping <laughs> um, and, and felt better. And so when we got back home, she told her dad, like, oh, this is what mom taught me, right? Like, I learned I'm, I'm, I'm not my best self. I need a minute, right? Um, but that's something that I needed her in that moment to understand that her feelings were valid. Right. Like whatever she was, even if she couldn't describe the feeling, it was valid. It was something that was really that was actually happening to her. But what I needed to do was set the limit. And the limit is we're not rude about it. Right. And we're not going to say things that hurt people because we don't understand what's going on with ourselves right now.
0: Yeah. Your ability to stay calm and keep your cool. Um, that seemed to help your daughter feel safe and help her understand that she could share how she was feeling without needing to be defensive about it or to be, as you say, afraid of being punished. Um, was that difficult for you in the moment?
1: No, but that's because I have a lot of practice with patients. Uh, I was a teacher, right? right. So I've, I've done this my entire adult life, but also I love My daughter, and I want her to always feel safe. She was the priority, right? And I didn't want to just shut her down and say, You don't be rude to me, right? Because that doesn't teach her anything. And when we talk about positive parenting and positive discipline and all of these things, a core component of that is you should be teaching your child skills that they will use in the future. Right? Like that's a really important part of it. Another important part of positive discipline and positive parenting is that when you talk to your child, they should still feel connected to you. If they feel like you've shunned them or that you've you know put them in their room and like alienated them for the rest of the from the rest of the family, they're not gonna be able to get to the lesson that you really want to teach. Right. So in that moment, that's why I hugged her.
0: I love that wow. you did that hug. I mean, nothing connects you more than a hug. And it, and it uh, conveyed so much empathy. I mean, your words did also, but so did the hug. Well, I also love that you started the conversation with a question. Um, you know, it seems obvious that if we want to know how our kids are truly feeling, we should ask them. But sometimes as parents, you know, busy parents, distracted parents, um, well-meaning parents, but sometimes we forge ahead and we start talking at them, assuming that we know what's wrong. Were you surprised at your daughter's
1: answer? And do you use questions a lot when talking about important things with her? Uh, so yes, I was surprised because I assumed the answer was she wanted a toy and hadn't gotten the toy yet. Um, But I do use questions, I would say, about 85% of the time. There are still moments when I forge ahead, right? So, like, I am not perfect at this (laughs) parenting thing. Um, There are still moments where my emotions um, get in the way. Um, But by and large, like, most of the time, I start with questions um, because I learn more when I question than when I assume. Um and questions allow my children to process their answers for themselves. Right. So I try to make sure I'm not giving them leading questions, but I give them a question that requires them to really think about their answer before they give me an answer. And then it helps me um guide the conversation um, because I want them to dig deep and I want them to be able to figure out these issues on their own, but with my help. Right again. I am trying to teach them skills that they will use when they're adults, when they are out of my house, when they are grown, when they have partners or whatever, even if they're not like if they when they're in jobs, they have to learn how to identify what they're feeling. They have to learn how to name that. And then they have to learn how to regulate their behavior and their reactions to what they're feeling.
0: Even though disagreeing, testing limits, and sometimes lashing out at parents are normal parts of kids' uh, journey to become mature human beings, good people, most parents don't want to overlook the behavior in kids. We want to teach kids how to express their thoughts and opinions respectfully. And you modeled one way to do this by talking respectfully to your child. What other ways can parents balance understanding with insistence upon respect? What are the things that parents can do? Um, to uh, help their kids be a little less cheeky, a little less sassy.
1: Um, I mean, some of that is they're just going to do it because they're human beings and they're learning about right. boundaries. They're, they're testing them. Um, they want to figure out like what power they have, right? Like who they are as individuals. Um, but what parents can do, one, is they can set limits um, while also displaying empathy and expressing care right and so um, that's that like for example, I could have said i uh, I understand that you're upset and I want to help, but you cannot yell at me like you express that this is okay what you're feeling is okay. you validate those feelings, but you also set set the the limit, but you cannot yell at me right or you cannot hit me um what, what I want parents to avoid is the, because I'm the adult, right? Like, don't add that part. That, <laughs> that creates that Because the, I said uh, so. We don't that. want to deal with that, right? Kids don't like that. We didn't like that. Like that. We didn't like that. It's not a logical reason. Like, you've got to explain. So what? You're an adult. I'm a child. You should be respecting me too, right? So it gets into all these other things. So what you do is you set the limit, but you express care at the same time so that your child feels safe. And can talk to you. in that feeling safe and in expressing that, um, those opportunities, parents have to learn to control their reaction to things. Right? Like you cannot say you're not going to get in trouble and then the child tells you the, tells you the thing and then you get them in trouble, right Like that, that's breaking the trust. Right? So it, you have to be really careful about what you promise them. In those moments, if you if you say I'm not going to be mad, then don't get mad. And You might get mad internally, but like your child should not see that because you told your child that you're not right. So we've got to be really strategic about the words that we use as parents and how we set them up um, to to share. Because sometimes kids are going to share things that might hurt your feelings, right? But yes. they're truth. <laughs> It's their truth. Just like when we are adults and I need to share something with you that I know might hurt your feelings, I still have to say it, but I can say it in a way that is with care. And you having hurt feelings doesn't mean I didn't say it in a way with care. It was just something that was painful for you. Same thing with kids, right? Like we can't ask our student, our children to share with us and then get upset at what they share. We have to take our ego out of it. Um, parents can also help their children practice expressing themselves in lots of different ways. Uh, one of the things that our daughter does <laughs> is when she gets upset with us, she will go into her room and she will draw us a picture and write us a letter. And that's one of her ways to process her emotions. One of her, and because she doesn't yell at us, she doesn't hit us. Like we don't, we don't have that. Uh, But she knows, like when she gets upset, like and gets to a point where she just cannot, like she's really angry, she will get some paper out of the printer and go to her room, and she will write us a letter, and she has an accompanying picture for us, and then she brings it to us. Right, but that is another way for her to express what she's feeling in that moment. We don't yell at her for bringing us a, p- a picture and a-, and a letter and telling us I'm angry at you because you did X. No, like, the point is we need her to practice identifying what she's feeling and, ident- and identifying why. Why am I feeling this way? And then how do I communicate this to someone that doesn't include violence, that doesn't include um, you know, harm or manipulation or anything like that, right? And so that's good, that's what she's doing. And we keep the letter and we you know sometimes we say, hey, I'm really sorry about this, you know, this is how I can fix it. If it's something that we did, if it's something like, it's okay for you to be upset, but that's not changing my decision. Then she 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 learns that, right? We talk about that. Okay. I understand that you feel this way. That makes total sense. This isn't changing because. That's the core. Like, that is how I've yeah. been parenting. I am here, one, to protect my children from harm as much as I can, but also, and to provide them with... All the opportunities to do all the things that they want to do to explore life and just have experiences. But I'm also here to coach them. Right. You're you're helping her develop a skill she'll use the rest of her life.
0: We're going to take a short break and then we'll be right back. If you like what you're hearing and want to know more about what kids think and feel, we have good news. This podcast is based on a soon-to-be-published book titled Dear Highlights, What Adults Can Learn from 75 Years of Letters and Conversations with Kids. It's publishing in
1: August and available for pre-order now, wherever you buy your books.
0: You know, I think sometimes kids feel so powerless, yet they're on this journey toward becoming independent and uh, i think sometimes that's why they um, speak disrespectfully they're feeling they're trying to regain some sense of power and it seems to me by helping your child understand that she can express her views um, in a letter or in a drawing or even in respectful conversation with you you're giving her back some of that power that she wants and needs
1: and that's important right so what i was teaching in the classroom, and it was something that I learned really quickly. Right, is that a lot of times when children act out or they they say something that's sassy or rude or whatever, it wasn't about me. Um, yeah. There was something else going on, yeah. right? Um, and I just happened to be the person in the moment that that they felt they they just had to get it out, right? Um, and I didn't, when I was teaching, I didn't engage in power struggles with children. So this is something that educators tend to do and parent like adults tend to do, parents, caregivers, whatever. Engage in power struggles with children in which they feel they need to exert dominance and make sure this child knows who's boss. right? Or make sure this child knows I'm in charge here. We already know that. You're the one that goes to work every day. Her name is on the door of the classroom. The child has to, like, needs you to get them through. Like, the child is very much aware that you are the adult, right? But that doesn't mean that you hold all the power. When mm-hmm. we create opportunities or create, not opportunities, but create situations where children feel powerless, we are far more likely to see them react in ways that we don't want them to react mm-hmm. because we have intentionally taken power away from them. You can empower your child to share their opinions, to share their perspectives and still be the parent and still be the adult in the room. But when you purposely try to remove the power from a child or to make a child feel like they're less than you because you are the adult, you create situations that will will have blowups. You create the environment for that negativity. And sure, we can talk about old school or the way it used to be and the way I grew up and all of those things. But think about how you are engaging with children as an adult, right? Think about how you felt in those moments as a child when someone was exerting this dominance over you for no, for, for no reason other than my ego. And I just need to make sure you know that I'm in charge, like that. What does that? How does that support them later on? Positive parenting is not about being a perfect parent. Right. It is about striving to give our children the space to be human beings. It's about coaching our children um, to become these amazing human beings, but giving them these opportunities to share who they are with us, to to tell us when things don't feel good and things that we're doing to them. Um, but it's also about making sure that our children tr- feel trusted and, and feel safe with us. Um, and But that means I had to do the work as a parent to, to check my own ego.
0: But, you know, sometimes it must feel like an uphill battle as a parent to raise children who are in touch with their feelings, who can empathize um, and who can talk respectfully even when they're upset because... They see so much in the world, in the media, in the TV shows. There's so much rudeness and snark and sarcasm. Um, How do parents deal with that? Um,
1: Yeah, that's hard. Um, It's hard because your kids are learning. I'm a super sarcastic person, right? So my son learned it from me. I was his teacher, right, on, on sarcasm and the the types of responses that when a child does it to you as a parent, you're like, excuse you, right? But he learned it from me because he's seen me do this. Even though I was joking, he didn't realize that I was joking. He's just only picked up on, oh, this is how I should respond in this situation, right? Um so sometimes, you know, I've got a teenager now, so sometimes um, when they're perfecting their sarcasm or like learning how to uh, how to use that, um, it's it's a matter of saying, hey, this is not the situation that requires sarcasm. Right? Like um, that is not an appropriate response. But it is telling them that. It is not like, lashing out and yelling and like, you know, getting into this big blow up because they talked back, right? Or because they gave you a face. I know how easy it is to do the lash out, right? Or how easy it is to just respond immediately um, to what your child does. But as parents, we're not supposed to do that. Like we are the, we are supposed to have more control over our emotions and over our actions so that we can stop ourselves and say, you know what? I'm going to walk away from this right now. We'll come back. We'll pick this up in 15 minutes or Mm -hmm. in 20 minutes. And I've had to do that as a parent. I've had to tell my son, you know what? I'm going to talk about this tomorrow. I need to calm down. Mm -hmm. Because I know that if I have this conversation with you right now, it is not going to be productive. Yeah. Yeah. But, but acknowledging it in that moment, like, that is not an appropriate response. Um, you know, we don't we don't use that tone. Tone is a, a big one as they get older. Mm-hmm. One, because sometimes they don't actually know the difference between tones. Right? Like, we do. We know the, the nuance of uh, a raised eyebrow. But when you smirk this way and you say that thing, kids don't know all that about body language. That's a good point. They're learning it. So it's stopping them in the moment and telling them, hey, what do you feel your body's doing right now? And that's something we do in therapy. Like when you feel some emotions, your therapist may ask you, what's happening in your body right now? How do you know that you're scared? How do you know that you're angry? All right, so when your child is um, being, you know, snarky, stop them in the moment. Hey, let me explain to you what your body is doing right now that indicates to me that you... You don't find this important. You are slouching, right? You are looking up. You are rolling your eyes. You're doing X, Y, and Z. Like your body is closed off to me, whatever. Whatever those things are. We have to teach kids that because kids don't know nonverbal cues like that. Are they doing it? Yes, because they pick up on it because they've seen other people do it. They've seen you as a parent do it. They've watched people on TV do it and they've picked it up, but they don't actually know that they're doing it. They're not conscious of what's happening in their bodies in those times. Um, so part of that is uh, us as parents, like physiologically, what is going on with me so that I know I need to stop right now and we need to regroup later. Right? If I get I'm getting hotter, I can feel my heart beating faster. My hands are getting clammy. Mm, we're done. I have to stop right now. Right. But that is me knowing my body, uh, but also being able to teach my child in that moment so that they know.
0: That's such a good reminder to pause and, and uh, nothing wrong with hitting the pause button to reflect and, and to come back later when, when physiologically we're in a different place. <laughs> and I also think maybe some of the television shows and movies that um, where kids see adults and others modeling the kind of behavior we really don't wish for them to emulate, there might be some talking points there. We can use them as examples. Oh, absolutely. Uh,
1: yes. Stop at the moment. And I. this is one of the things I have to get better at because I will stop every time and be like, mm, what's wrong with this situation? Right. Like, right. will pause play. This is a teachable moment, right? There you go. Um, but those are important, right? And that's how I've, you have a lot of teachable moments with children, Um Across their lives, you can stop a movie and you can say, "What's going on right now?" Right? Like if it's something you don't want your child to pick up, then stop the stop the movie and talk about it. They can still watch it, but you can address why that's inappropriate.
0: That's right. That's right. And it's just, sometimes it's a little easier to have those conversations when you're not talking about something your child has done. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Shea, this has been fantastic. Um, I know that you've given parents lots to think about. One way we like to uh, conclude every episode of our podcast is to talk for a minute about one of our core beliefs that highlights and that's that children are the world's most important people. And um, we like to ask our guests that if we as a society really embrace this idea, if we really believe that kids are so important and they're our collective future,
1: um, what might we do differently for our children? Um, There are three things that I think we, we could do differently, right? Um, I do think children are the most important um, in the world, and I con- consider myself a child rights advocate, right? Like, I want people to view children as full, capable human beings, because they are. Not as adults, because they're not adults, but they are full, capable human beings. So the first thing I would say uh, that we would do differently is as adults, we would work on our own emotional availability and the triggers that we have um, that let us get out of our ego. like We have got to figure out how to lead without ego um, and without the need to dominate children. That's one. Uh, We have to stop viewing children as people to be controlled and ordered and see them as human beings capable of thought and and all of these other emotions that we have. From the beginning. We would value children's voice and create many opportunities for them to grow and develop their voices. Um, That's how children learn who they are and learn and understand who they are, is to be is to be afforded the opportunity to speak and to share. Um, I have recently, I would say in the last few years, stopped saying give children a voice because we don't give children voices. Children are born with voices. Every human is born with a voice. What we have to do is amplify the voice. We have to listen to the voice but we have to respect their voice. Um, And then the other thing that we would do as adults is we would learn to lead with empathy in our interactions instead of ego and power. Um, once children can see themselves as full humans, because we see them as full humans, um, they open. the world is open to them and who they become and how they develop. But as long as we as adults see children as a fraction of a human, um, simply because they're younger or they have you know, less experience in, in the world years-wise, As long as we continue continue to see children that way, we're not going to be able to help children develop their full selves. And we create barriers. We become the barriers and the obstacles to self-actualization for children. We become the barriers and the obstacles to um, children becoming more empathetic people. Because if they don't have examples of empathy, how are they going to develop empathy? If all they know is adults being um, power driven, being mean, um, shutting down everything they say, that's what they're going to do to others because that's what they learn. So if we don't as adults change the way that we view children um, and the way that we interact with children, we are going to create more adults who lack the emotional awareness we are going to create more adults who lack the, um, the ability to engage with their own emotions the way that they need to be engaged with before they interact with someone else.
0: Thank you so much for that. And thank you for sharing your story. You've given us a lot to think about. This has been like a masterclass in effective communication, and we're very grateful.
1: Thank you so much for the invitation. It was great to be here.
0: We are honored to be able to elevate kids' voices and share with you some of what they share with us. Whether a child's concern is big or small, unique or universal, serious, or sure to easily work itself out, it's real to the child and matters deeply. We've come to see that in every letter kids have sent to us over the years, there are implicit, overarching questions embedded within. Do you care? Am I loved? Do I have a place in the world, a place in the lives of the people I love? We hope kids believe us when we say in many more words, yes, yes, yes. Let's all lean in to give kids what they really need and want. More listening, more understanding, and more connecting. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to help us reach more grown-ups who care about kids. And if you'd like to send a comment or suggestion to me directly, please email me at christine at highlights.com.